We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler. I like coffee and I like tea. I'd like to be able to enter a final plea. I've still got this dream that I just can't shake. This is episode number 62 of our Casino Combat Podcast. I do have a dream that I just can't shake. For a long time, that dream was to be good enough at casino gambling that I could make some money rather than lose money and enjoy all the various comps and benefits. Now I get to live that dream and share the how and why of all of that with all of you each week. It is excellent and amazing. In this episode, I'm going to keep a promise that I have made a couple of times. After the most important stuff is said in just one second, we are going to start the most ambitious episode of our Casino Combat podcast that I have ever attempted. No lives are at risk. No chips or cash will be harmed in the recording of this podcast. I do want you to try this at home and do it at home before you're trying it in a casino. Being honest, I'm a bit nervous, everyone, a bit apprehensive, and it's time to step up and get this done, and I'm going to do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary persons, George and Wheezy, this podcast discusses casinos and gambling. Do not gamble with money you can afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your problem gambling hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact, names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. <laughs> okay. uh, welcome to episode 62, everybody. Thank you very much. I appreciate the fact that you're here and taking the time. I'll give you the, a battle plan for this episode in just a minute and explain where the nerves are coming from, where the apprehension is coming from. But we have big, big, big news from the Casino Combat Galaxy today. The biggest news, the Inner Circle has a new member. It is my privilege and honor to inform you that with just one application for membership, just one guess at what my home casino is, the Leatherneck Hustler, six to the ring, joins the inner circle of Casino Combat. He correctly determined the name and location of my home casino, Casino 2. If you want to know more about the inner circle and how you can apply, it's all covered in episode 22. Not going to go back through that today. As always, I'm humbled and thrilled that someone decided it was time to play the game. Based on my emails with our newest Inner Circle member, that's kind of what happened. The, the Leatherneck Hustler is a veteran of the United States Marine Corps who started listening to our podcast a few months ago and had no intention of playing the games in the podcast. Recently, he decided what the heck, he'd give things a try. Cle clearly, he very quickly sorted out everything because his first application identified my home casino correctly. TLH's casino journey is interesting and also, in my opinion, shows what a quick study he is. He lives in the Tunica era, Tunica area, easy for me to say, so he has access to a variety of casinos. Until September of 2019, he and his wife would go to the casino to enjoy the seafood buffet. They'd pay for it with cash, 
enjoy it, and leave. She didn't really enjoy the gambling part of things, and he'd lost money any time he tried, so they skipped the gambling part. Now, from my point of view, this is an excellent way to enjoy casinos if you don't enjoy gambling and or don't understand gambling well enough to have some success from time to time. On one of their normal dining trips, the Leatherneck Hustler decided uh, that he wanted to spend some time in the casino and have a drink. He found his way to the stadium gaming area, which in many casinos is a lower stakes electronic gambling in some form, often allowing you to wager on multiple games at once. He puttered around with 20 or $30 at blackjack, the only game he knew how to play, and then was drawn to the craps pit for some reason. He knew about craps, but it always seemed confusing. And on a side note, he's right on this. I recognize that feeling. If you've listened long enough, you've heard me go from intimidated and confused by craps to being comfortable and using craps to hustle some points and comps during my casino visits. I suspect I'll have a how to be comfortable at a craps table segment for you at some point in the future. So when TLH and his wife left the casino that evening, he told his wife that he had decided he would learn to play craps. He did learn and eventually went to a casino with a friend Not to eat, but to gamble. He very nervously put $300 down as a buy-in at a $10 minimum table. And after a few hours got comfortable and the nerves settled and he left with a $78 profit. We can take one of two things from this part, everyone. We can take one of two things from this. Either A, what I've been teaching isn't that difficult and anyone can figure it out, which is possible and something I've said once or twice. And the other option is B. TLH is a very smart guy and a quick study, which I think is also very likely. I say that because that is a very correct craps buy-in for that table limit, in my opinion, and his positive exit point, the amount of money he decided to win and then leave with, is also right on point for a craps table, particularly for a first time. On the car ride home, the Leatherneck Hustler's friend announced he was going to learn to count cards. The friend never really learned to count cards. The pandemic hit, lockdowns happened, and TLH learned blackjack basic strategy and card counting. He then, as things opened back up, played some as a card counter. And after that, he wisely was keeping his bet spread, that's the distance from the smallest bet to the largest bet, somewhat narrow. And that's smart again, because large bet spreads are one of the ways card counters get caught. Now, counting cards isn't illegal, but outside of New Jersey, casinos don't have to allow you to count cards. They can ban you from the casino because casinos are private clubs. There was a court case in Jersey years ago, and casinos now can't ban you for counting cards in that state. They just make your life miserable. They do. They will shuffle the cards every three hands. They will change the dealers constantly. They will burn cards. They will do all kinds of things when they know you're counting just to make your life miserable. Sorry, tangent. Apologize. (laughs) Back to TLH's journey. At this point, and for that reason, that fact that he didn't want to get banned, TLH stopped counting cards and just played basic strategy with a very reasonable one to four unit bet spread. As I said, he didn't want to get banned by the casinos close to him. He has a set of options, and he doesn't want all those options to go away. And he also learned video poker well enough to enjoy comp drinks at the bar while he played. I've used the word humble frequently, and now I'm just kind of embarrassed. But in my defense, early in my gambling journey, my access to casinos was much more limited than what TLH has. I mean, once a year, once every couple years. But that said... TLH did the journey that took me a couple of decades in less than two years, and part of that time was during a lockdown. 
<laughs> pretty amazing, right? He learned to count cards, learned why counting cards is limited and risky, decided getting banned at local casinos made card counting a bad idea, and found out that with a reasonable bet spread and basic strategy, he can hold his own in a 50-50 game. And then he sorted out the advanced technique of getting free drinks at the video poker bar. A very, very quick study indeed. I'm flattered that you found the podcast TLH and that I offered something of value to someone who got up to speed so quickly. Welcome to the inner circle of casino combat. I'm hoping that at some future point I get to, uh, I get to sit with you and keep her wisdom and share a drink. This podcast is, is called Casino Combat only because of a comment Gabriel made the first time we discussed a vet, a vest as a casino organizational tool. So the name Casino Combat has nothing to do with the military in any way, shape, or form. Wasn't trying to make that connection. It was just a, a name that stuck because of something Gabriel said. I am honored and flattered to have um, veterans listening to and interacting with our podcast. As you might have guessed, Guardian and the Jet did not check in this week. So that is our only news. Great news, but our only news from the Casino Combat Galaxy this week. As far as a plan of attack for this episode, we are going to be very, very simple this week. We're going to be very complex in what we talk about, but the layout of the episode is going to be very, very simple. Core Concepts will be next, followed by a travel segment, because you know I did some gambling last week. And we will finish up, as we always do, in the virtual VIP lounge with some sips and stories. And our story this week is one where, once again, a joke, a simple comment, really, goes sideways. And I had to think fast on my feet and shouldn't have been on my feet and get a little aggressive to uh, keep from getting escorted out of a casino. Stick with me if that does not sound ambitious enough. This is, as I've said, the most ambitious episode I've ever tried to do. In the core concept segment, the one I'm going to do next, I'm going to attempt with my meager skills to teach you TRG wagering system to always be grinding. I've had a 50-50 success rate teaching this to people in person when I had cards and chips as props and teaching tools. We will see how this goes, folks. I'm going to stretch my descriptive skills to their limits and attempt to explain that wagering system to you, always be grinding, in the core concept segment next. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The core concepts of casino combat, as I've said in the past, are the pillars that I believe being good at the game of casino gambling are built on. If you've only found the podcast fairly recently, I'm going to go through all the core concepts in just a second, but let me give you some basics first. We spell concepts with a K, just as we spell combat with a K, and that's for fiduciary reasons. Also, on the Casino Combat YouTube channel, there is a playlist called Boot Camp, camp spelled with a K, that teaches the core concepts in short 10 to 15 minute lessons. You can listen to the entire playlist, the entire set of lessons in in less than 90 minutes. If you don't want to go back and listen to the first seven or eight episodes of our podcast, 
to understand these core concepts, that playlist is an excellent way to get up to speed or to take a refresher if, if you really want to get an update if it's been a while since you listened to that content. If you do listen to those early episodes, thank you very much, and I'm, I'm sorry in advance. I think I've improved as I went along, but certainly from an audio point of view, those first few were, were certainly a bit rough, and I think that's always true. I've heard actors say that, uh, that the uh, pilot episode is always the worst, and uh, boy, that tire squeal on those first few episodes, huh, folks? Those were, uh, if you've been with me the whole time, thank you again. Links to the YouTube channel, as well as all our other social media accounts, are available at the top of the CasinoCombat.com website. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I, we try to keep those updated. Billy with the great last name and, and T-Rex do a great job of doing most of that for me. I, I post stuff once in a while, but they do the lion's share of that. So the core concepts are, just as a refresher, learn to play a game, a casino game with a minimum house advantage. Learn a betting strategy that includes both progressive and regressive components. Have a bankroll of money you can afford to lose that is large enough for the size of bets you choose to make. Get a player's card from the casino. That's the easiest of them. Play your game of choice until you have won a set amount that's small and manageable. As an example, use $150 to win $150 and then leave. At least leave the table if not the casino. If you lose two-thirds of what you started with at the table, leave the table and depending on logistics, maybe the casino as well. That's really it. Or as we've seen since episode one, that's the basics. That's Casino Gambling 101, so to speak. What we're going to talk about today is the second of the core concepts, learning a betting strategy that includes both progressive and regressive components. For those not familiar, progressive wagers are wagers that increase after a win, and regressive wagers are wagers that increase after a loss. I'm going to skip the justification for those techniques. I've covered that in both the boot camp playlist and in several podcast episodes. If you think you have a way to consistently win, Without these items in your wagering system, please, please, please email me and explain. I would love to hear your point of view on this. I do not know any way to win consistently by making the same bet over and over and over again. Don't know how to do it. Would love to hear somebody tell me how to go about that. In the past, I've, I've handed you some wagering systems that are pretty simple, pretty easy, that have these components in them. I've taught you TRG Wagering System 1 a system that I played and profited from for over a decade in Las Vegas, in Atlantic City, and eventually in my local region. I taught that in episode three, and then again in episode 11 after feedback that I went too quickly in episode three for some people. TRG Wagering System 1 is also a lesson in the Boot Camp playlist, and Inner Circle member East Coast Emissary has created an excellent decision tree for that wagering system. So how do you get that? If you're hearing about that for the first time, you're saying, wait, there's a decision tree. The whole thing's on paper. I can look at it. I can even take it to the casino with me and use it. You can. And how, here's how you do that. The podcast email bot, Fred, will be happy to send you a link to download a PDF of ECE's excellent work. Just send an email to trg at casinocombat.com, spell combat with a K, as always, and put the two words, get chart, in the subject line of the email. Fred will do the rest from there. You will get a reply with a link so you can download it. It's free. I'm not trying to charge anybody for anything. I'm certainly not trying to charge anybody anything for ECE's work. You can also use the two words slot tactics in the subject line of an email to get a link to download my ebook of slot strategies, a set of strategies that have allowed Mrs. TRG and I to win 
money playing slot machines virtually every month that I've been doing this podcast. I think off the top of my head, we have only had three, probably four losing months in the, it currently we're up to 16 months. I've been doing this podcast and we've been gambling this way on slot machines. I've been gambling that way on slot machines a lot longer than that going on three to four years now and winning money, but I've documented it for the podcast over the entire life of the podcast. Didn't know slots were going to be part of the podcast when I started, but the results were so good I had no choice. Finally, if you want a copy of the Casino Combat Book of Casino Wisdoms, which lists each wisdom and the episode where I first discussed that wisdom, put the two words, get wisdom, in the subject line of an email that you send to me. And Uh, Inner Circle member, Keeper of Wisdom, compiled and verified that list. We know it's accurate. He did an excellent job. Fred will be more than happy to send you a download link. Don't take that seriously, folks. Fred is code. Fred does not have emotion. Uh, I'm getting sidetracked, and I shouldn't. This is going to be tough. Enough, Fred. I also taught TRG Wagering System 3, the Meta Martingale, in Episode 20. And what that does is it adds regressive unit sizes and regressive tables and an appropriate black, uh, bankroll adjustment to my first wagering system, TRG Wagering System 1. We don't have a separate dis- decision tree for the Meta Martingale. It's really not necessary. On a table-by-table basis, it's the same as TRG Wagering System 1 in every way. It's just that as you change tables, you increase your, you martingale your bankroll and martingale your unit size, as I said, all in episode 20. ECE's chart does have bankroll calculations on it as well, so it supports Meta Martingale just fine. Today, I'm going to teach you TRG Wagering System 2, the piece of the puzzle that's been missing, the piece of the puzzle that I've been afraid of. TRG Wagering System 2, it's excellent. It's called Always Be Grindin'. The only part of what I do that I have not taught to this point is this wagering system. As I've said several times in various episodes, I did not hold it back because I didn't want to share. I held it out because I wasn't sure I was up to the job of teaching it. And sitting here right this moment in front of this microphone, I am still a little intimidated by trying to teach this, by trying to explain it well. We're going to find out if I can make sense of this using only a microphone and some tools that you can't see. And your feedback, I guess, will tell me if this was a success or failure. I may be about to waste everybody's time. Before I attempt that, let me start by answering the question, why? Why, if TRG Wagering System works, did I invent Always Be Grinding? And the story goes like this. I invented TRG Wagering System 1 when the only places I ever really gambled were Las Vegas and Atlantic City. I only had a chance to gamble at most a couple times a year, and sometimes it was only every few years. When I had little kids, it, it might be three, four years between, between trips and visits. And I didn't gamble enough to worry about comps. So TRG Wagering System 1, while it works as a comp builder, it wasn't designed for that. In those cities, Atlantic City, Las Vegas, if you lose three or four hands, you can just get up and change easily to another table. Only Super Bowl, New Year's Eve, that kind of thing, do you really have trouble getting a table and a table at almost any limit that you want. And if you can't change tables at one casino, you can just walk out the door and walk a few steps and go to another casino and get right back in a game. You can easily find something in those cities to do if you've had several bad tables in a row and you want to stop gambling. 
TRG wagering system one works very, very well in that environment. When Mrs. TRG and I are just roaming up and down the strip of the boardwalk and seeing the sights and going to bars and having food and riding a roller coaster and this system works great. It's excellent. So what happened? With a system I knew worked and knew worked well and one that I played well, as casinos with table games became available to me in my region, first a couple of hours east and south at Casino One, and eventually just a few minutes from my home and all over my state, I continued to use what I had invented for vacation. It was a natural fit. And over time, I started to see some problems. Sometimes, seats at a table were not readily available at a small local casino on a busy evening. Getting up and leaving after losing three quick hands was fine, but often there were no other seats available at the same price, and I couldn't, couldn't just walk next door to another casino. Sometimes I'd go around the system by skipping a hand or two and then buying in again and considering it another table. Other times, I'd be three losses and out, three losses and out, three losses and out, and then have nothing to do other than watch a movie in my room at Casino One before trying again the next morning, or just going home the next morning because I got smacked hard enough that, that I was done. Eventually, I met and got to know Gabriel at my local casino, and we got to know each other pretty well. And we discussed discussed our wins and losses honestly and transparently and openly uh, and as a way for me to be accountable. We both went through a really, really rough couple weeks, days after days after days, days where we were both losing. The losing bothered me. But honestly, what bothered me as much or more was not being able to find another seat and leaving for the day after just playing a few hands or hanging out for a while because Gabriel and I had enjoyed a couple of bourbons and I needed to wait so I could responsibly drive home. It was not a good use of my time. The final thing that I realized in that process is that the lose three leave the table process resulted in some days where while I went to the casino and was at the casino, I didn't earn very many tier credits. And I didn't earn very much or any free imaginary tax-free money. Both things that are keys to being good enough at all of this to make some money at it. And if you lose, to have the losses offset. So as I, as I was thinking one day about all of that, I realized that I had developed a working wagering system well suited for the conditions I encountered on vacation decades earlier when there was no internet and I was doing it all on my own, but that maybe it wasn't well suited for the environment I played in three or four times a week, every week of the year. So I took some time off from gambling. I revisited the strategy charts that I'd memorized for Vegas. I found some mistakes in what I'd memorized because what I memorized was for Vegas, not for the casinos I was gambling in. I looked at a variety of wagering systems that others had created courtesy of the internet. I fired up various simulators and tried different things. The first time I had really tried something new in a very, very, very long time. I really broke the game of blackjack back down, re-looked at everything, rethought everything I was doing. Eventually, I found a system called Oscar's Grind, which was designed to generate small profits from long sessions with things not always going well and then going well for short little bursts. That sounded promising. It sounded like it fit the kinds of tables I was going to encounter, the kind I was playing most of the time. I simulated it a bit on casino or on a computer, on a casino. <laughs> I simulated it a bit on a computer. I tried it out live in casinos once or twice. You can't simulate there. You got to just put money down. 
and I decided I liked the concept, but there were parts of it I didn't like. Among other things, wagers on the regressive side got too large sometimes for my taste. Oscar's grind was actually probably designed for roulette or baccarat. It works fine there, but I knew from experience that big regressive bets at a blackjack table can be a problem if doubles and splits are needed and the wager is very high. It can be a real bankroll crusher. The other thing I didn't like about Oscar's grind was that it didn't have any progressive wagers when things were going well. When things were going well, Oscar's grind, as I read it, was simply going to make the same flat bet over and over. And I didn't think that worked for me either. I did not. That is not part of my core concepts. With those items in mind, I took Oscar's grind. With those items in mind, I took Oscar's grind and I tweaked it. I modified it. I adjusted it. I put some limits on how high I was willing to make my wagers on the regressive side. I never go higher than three units if it gets me into that situation. And I added a, a progressive side to the whole things. And I call that TRG Wagering System 2, always be grinding. Okay, background out of the way. Let's, uh, let's, let's, <laughs> whew, uh, let's dig into this. Okay, let's get after it. Always be grinding is a two-stack wagering system. You use a play stack and a win stack. When you start, your play stack has 10 units worth of chips, and your win stack obviously has zero chips. This two-stack approach is an important part of playing this system. The chips act as an abacus to quickly and easily help you figure out what your next bet is going to be. Quickly and easily is relatively every is relative, everybody. Quickly and easily is relative. For the first two or three months that I used this, especially after playing another way for so long, I was slow. So slow, in fact, that I would just straight up tell dealers, I'm using a new wagering system. I may need a minute here or there. I'll go as quickly as I could. Over time, after playing this way for a number of years, it's now quick and easy. Something I can handle after a few TRG teenies while having a conversation and still play the way I want to play. The point is, if you are going to start using this, be patient with yourself at first. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, try this at home without real money. Practice it a little bit. Try it out. Maybe find some questions and send them to me so that I can answer things that I have not explained well. I, I tried to teach this to Mrs. TRG. She didn't like it. She didn't completely follow it. Didn't make sense to her. Before I took uh, my youngest son, the young squire, to Las Vegas on the trip he and I made, um, which would have been, what, around episode 30-ish, something like that. I, I taught him in a couple sessions at the kitchen table. He was able to handle it with me there to, to kind of confirm some things for him when we did gambling on our trip. So it will come. You, you can learn this. It can, be, it can be taught and it can be learned and it can become quick and easy and second nature, but give yourself some time. The progressive part of this wagering system is almost exactly the same as the progressive portions of the other two wagering systems I've shown you, but with a couple of modifications. In those systems, you increase your bet by one half of your original bet after you win two bets in a row. When using Always Be Grinding, you increase your bet by one half after you have won two or more hands in a row and added one unit to your win stack. If you continue to win, you continue to add one half to the original bet. You add one half to the wager after each win until you have reached a wager that is two and a half times your original wager, and then you cap your increases. And obviously, if you play this a while and you decide the right answer for you is three and a half, four, whatever, 
that works fine. Play it a little my way first before you start tweaking it is my advice. At a $10 table, you would increase your bet eventually to $25, two and a half units, and then continue to bet at that level until you lose a hand and return to a bet the size of the original bet. Note that increases on the progressive side are made from the win stack, not the play stack. You make your base wager from the play stack, you make the presses from the win stack. Always be grinding, like Oscar's grind, is focused on finishing a sequence of wagers with a win equal to or greater than the first wager made. Because of that, we only press after winning two or more in a row and adding one unit to the win stack and the money to press comes from the win stack. The money comes to press comes from house money, money one. Okay, the tough part, the really, really challenging part, the part that people don't get. The regressive wagers in always be grinding are, I think, much trickier to understand. In my other wagering systems, the regressive part is fairly straightforward. You add money when you lose, and you leave if you lose three or at most four hands in a row, or hands, spins of the roulette wheel, or craps tosses on, on pass or don't pass. If you lose three wagers, maybe four at the most, you leave. With always be grinding, you start increasing your bet when you lose by the amount of your original wager, but you do that when you've been losing and then you win a hand. You do it when you win a hand after losing one or more hands. If the hand you won did not add the amount of your original wager to your wager stack, then you make a two unit bet and you continue to add a unit every time you win unless adding to your bet would cause you to win more than the amount of your original bet if you were to win that next bet. I'm gonna illustrate some of that. I know it's difficult. You're gonna see it in action. The goal is to win the amount of the first bet to finish the sequence of bets with a profit equal to what you originally started with. If you make a bet larger than your original bet and lose, you continue to bet at that larger level until you win a hand, and then you go back to adding the original amount to the next bet until you've won enough to add the amount of the original bet to the win stack, and then you drop down to your base bet and start another sequence. If that sounds a bit confusing, I understand. It can be. It is the most difficult part of this to conceptualize. The idea that maybe I lose two, three, four, five hands, and then I win a hand, and then I start pressing. The theory of Oscar's grind is that wins come in small batches. That was, as I understand it, the original concept, and that's what we're using here. This lets us stay at the table through losing sessions that are more than three hands and still keep playing. That's what this is trying to do. That's what I was trying to do with this. Okay, before we get to some examples based on play, and we're going to do that in a minute, let's talk about positive and negative exit points for this system. Luckily, these are pretty easy. They're pretty straightforward. For blackjack, I start with 10 units, of course, and if things go badly, I leave the table when I only have three bets left in the play stack. And those three bets are there. The reason I structure it this way is that that seventh bet sometimes requires splits or doubles. And that money is there to take care of that if it's needed right at the end or on that sixth losing bet. You still got some money left in the buy-in to cover things that might come up. And sometimes that's the money that recovers you back in. So sometimes that exit point, that three, that three bets in the play stack means that I've got three in the play stack but I had two in the win stack and I leave the table with a loss of five units. 
That's part of the core concepts, keeping the losses small by having an exit strategy when we are losing. As for the positive exit, I've said in the past that when I reach a certain point, I start planning to leave, but continue to play if I keep winning. And you can set your own expectations with regards to what you want to win before you plan your exit with a profit. For me, I buy in with 10 units, and when I've won 8 to 10 units, I mentally say to myself, okay, you must leave the table with a profit. And at that point, I'm going to leave when I reach the point where my play stack has only 7 bets left. I'm not going to lose more than three units at that point, at the point where I make that mental note. Now, I say that, obviously, doubles and splits are the exception once again. Very, very rarely, I'll make that second $10 in our examples, always $10. I'll make that one unit bet, and it'll need to be split, and then one of the splits will need to be doubled, and I end up losing more than three units. But that's the very, very, very rare exception that proves that proves the rule. When I make that mental note, when I say, okay, you must leave this table with a profit, if things continue to go well, I continue to play. I sometimes also increase, so when we have that, I'm going to leave with seven units in the play stack rule, I will sometimes add to the play stack. I'll sometimes take the play stack up to 12 or 15 units. I'll add to both the win stack and the play stack on good wins. Maybe a two-unit wager requires splits and or doubles and I win six or eight units. I increase the play size by a couple units and put the rest in the win stack. That gives me, that's where when things really go well, when things really roar, when you're really having at it, that's how you build depth in the play stack to continue to play. Even if you lose two, three hands, you're okay because you made the play stack larger. There's even been one or two times where I reached the point where I was ready to put, I was able to put the play stack away. The official play stack basically just went in my pocket. Call it the win stack, but it's the win pocket at that point. And it all just goes away, and I've still got 10 units to play with. And then you can just roar. Then the sky's the limit. Then you can play that play stack all the way down to the bottom if you want to because you've got a win stack you're adding to and you've got another part of your win in your pocket. That is a great situation when that happens. Only happens a couple times a year though, at most. Well, or I just haven't gotten uh, enough opportunities to use my preparation to paraphrase the casino wisdom. Okay, back on track. Sorry, went a little sideways there, everybody. Think about how the positive and negative exit points work together. Ignoring the worst case of splits and doubles, you're not going to lose more than seven units. And usually you will have at least something in the win stack by the time you lose seven units, so you don't take a full uh, seven unit loss. And on the positive side, after winning 10, I'm only willing to lose three bets. So worst case, Winning tables offset losing tables. And normally negative exits are less than a seven unit loss. Winning exits are larger than seven units won. Losing exits are smaller than seven units lost. That makes the whole thing make sense. It's a 50-50 game. If we have 50-50 tables with 50-50 results, we should end up with a profit. And we've seen through the history of this podcast that's true more often than it's not. Even though blackjack is mathematically basically a coin toss game, because blackjacks pay more than even money and because splits and or doubles are possible, I don't want to just give you a simulated game using coin flip. I could teach always be grinding as if I was using it on roulette 
and then the coin flip thing would work, but I want to show it to you with the game I developed it for. I want to show it to you with Blackjack. So I'm not going to do this live. I mean, I'm not going to record it live as I did when I demoed TRG Wagering System 1 a while back with, and simulated Baccarat. I illustrated TRG Wagering System 1 with Baccarat several episodes ago. I, I don't think that's going to work here. I, just, I know I'm not talented enough to play Blackjack manage the wagering system, describe the wagering system accurately, do all that at the same time, keep my keep myself positioned correctly at the mic. I'm just not going to be good enough to do that. And at the same time, I don't want to just make up results that are just scripted to show you something. I want the results to be organic. I want them to be as close to table conditions as possible. So this is what I've done. I've set up a second computer beside the computer that I use to produce the podcast. On this second computer, I have an app that simulates myself and four players playing blackjack. I have a stack of 20 chips beside me to represent my buy-in. I'm going to treat those as $5 chips at a $10 minimum table. And of course, I have some chips to pay myself with. You may honestly want to pause here and get some buttons or coins or poker chips or anything else you have around anything else object-wise to create your play own play stack and your own win stack and follow along and move the those items as I move mine so that you can visually see this. Or you may want to come back and listen to that this again with those items in front of you. I will not be surprised if to, to really get this straight in your head, you need to listen to this segment of the podcast a couple times and, and have some have some props in front of you. I'm going to play the hands on the computer that I have set up, and I'm going to talk through how the chips move from pile to pile as the result of playing those hands. The app is set up with rules similar to those at my home casino, including allowing surrender, and I will play correct basic strategy for all the hands. We will see how this goes and how many air quotes tables we need to play to give you a good set of examples. If I just go out, we'll play more tables. We'll rebuy in and we'll start start over. And if things go well, great. We'll just see how it goes here. Because while I'm doing this from a script, I'm going to write the script from the results. And I, at this very moment, writing this down, I have no idea where this is going to take me. Okay? So this is another form of reality podcasting. When I tell you about my trips, that's reality podcasting. This is really reality podcasting, even though I'm going to record it after I record the results. I'm going to voice record it after I writtenly record the results. Okay, I'm going to make a $10 bet with two $5 chips. I played the hand. I won the hand standing on 17 against a dealer's eight and the dealer busted. So I won $10 and added that to my win stack. However, I did not win two or more hands in a row, so I will not be making a progressive wager as my next wager. My next wager is still just $10. I won, hitting a hard 15 against a dealer's ace to draw a six for a total of one, and the dealer busted their hand. So my play stack sits at two units after that win. My win stack obviously is intact, full hundred dollars. That's the second win in a row. My win stack sits at two units. I'm, I've satisfied the conditions to start progressive betting. My next bet will be $10 from the play stack and an additional $5 from the win stack for a total of $15. The increase to my bet comes from what gamblers call house money. With the bet made, my play stack sits at $90. My win stack sits at $15 and the bet is a $15 bet as I said. I received a pair of threes against a dealer's six showing. That's an excellent split, so that's another $10 from the play stack and five from the win stack to split. 
I received an eight, so that's an 11. That's another, that's a double. Good double, 11 against a six, very good double. That's another 10 from the play stack and five from the win stack so that I can make the double. And I get a three for a total of 14, not a, not a great hand. The next card is another eight. Oh boy, this could, uh, this could be a rough hand. That's, uh, that's 11 again against a, dick, a, a, a dealer six. That's uh, another double. That's another good double. So another 10 from one stack and five from the other. And I've now, if I lose all this, the win stack goes away. I get a seven for a total of 18. Not a really strong hand. The average winning hand in blackjack is 18.4. The win stack, as I said, it's at zero, and the play stack is, is at $60, and I have a total of $30 wagered on two hands, a total of $60. The dealer had an ace under, under their six for a total of 17. Like Casino 2, my home casino, this application is set up to require the dealer to stand on all 17s. So I win the second hand with a total of 18 and lose the first hand with a total of 14. So between the two hands, a push. And now I'm going to set up my abacus. All the chips go back to their correct stack. The play stack goes back to 100. I have money in the win stack. We are still on the progressive side because that was just a push. We still have a $15 bet since the previous hand was a push, as I said. A pair of nines against a dealer's 10. So I stand and the dealer draws to a 17 and I win. I add $15 to the win stack and then take one of those chips from the win stack and add it to the wager, making it a $20 wager. The next hand I receive a 12, draw a 10, and bust it against a dealer's 10 showing. Hey, nice of the computer to generate an early progressive bet sequence. That actually is kind of nice. That works out. Nice to get to show you progressive wins and, 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 and adding to the win stack right off the jump. With the win stack at $25, the play stack is now at $90 because I lost 10 on that bet. I'm going to go back to my basic $10 bet. Because we don't start regressive wagering when we lose, we start regressive wagering when we lose and then win a hand that is not enough to give us a $10 or one unit profit. So the bet is $10. I have 13 versus a dealer six and the dealer has 17. So that's a loss. And the next bet is $10 again. And again, I busted my hand and lost. So I have $70 in my play stack and I'm playing, I'm gonna play that play stack until it's at $30. My next bet is still $10. My first two cards are an 11 and the dealer had nine. I doubled and received a five for 16. The dealer had an ace under for a total of 20. I lost and bet another $10. This is an example of the grinding part of this thing, everybody. This is also what this was built to do. We can take these losses because we didn't start trying to recover until we started winning again, if we start winning again. My next hand is a 19 versus a dealer's four card 18. So I win a hand that goes in the play stack. Honestly, once you get used to this, it barely goes in the play stack for just a few seconds. But your chips are your abacus that show you exactly where you are in this system. So it does go back in the play stack for just a few seconds. We were losing. We won. So now we start regressive wagering by adding the $10 we just won to our bet for a $20 bet. I have a $25 win stack, a $50 play stack. I received an ace and a seven, and the dealer had a nine. This is one of the hardest hands in blackjack to play. The soft 18 is, in my opinion, the hardest hand to play. I'm playing it against a nine. Basic strategy says this is a hit. I draw a 10 for a total of 18 again. And the dealer has a nine, and 18.4 is the average winning hand, and I'm not feeling too good about that. But the dealer has a six under, draws another nine, and busts. So once again, 
I use my abacus when I get paid. I put all the chips in the play stack to see if I can add to the win stack. At the table, I would do exactly this, everyone. I would take a second. I would put everything back together. I would look at where the things stand. Do it three months. It becomes second nature. You can do it very quickly. So I pull all the money out of the circle. As I was just saying, I rebuild the play stack. If I add to the win stack, I know my next bet should be, in this case, $15 larger. If I didn't add to the win stack, and I didn't in this case, the play stack is at $90. I did not rebuild the play stack completely. I determine from that point if I need to continue a regressive bet with three units. I do not. I only need to make a two-unit bet, or $20 bet in this case, in our example, to win one unit with the next bet. So $20 is the bet. I have an 11. The dealer has a 2. I double with all that money coming from the play stack and receive a 10 for 21, and the dealer busts. I win $40. Once again, I rebuild the play stack first. I get the play stack back to $100 exactly, and I see that I'm adding $50 to the win stack. That's amazing. That's wonderful if this was real money that I was gambling with. So that's more than two wins, two or more wins. That's the trigger for progressive wagering because I added money to the win stack after winning two or more. The win stack is sitting at $75. So now we've just jumped from the regressive side to the progressive side out of winning that nice double. The next bet is $10 from the play stack and $5 from the win stack once again. I received a 13 and the dealer drew two cards to 17. I lost. The progressive side of the wagering system is complete. We are back to making the base bet with a $90 play stack. The next bet is $10. I drew a 20. The dealer drew to 21. Another loss and another $10 bet. Next hand. Yikes. I had 10 against a 7. I doubled and drew a 10. Feeling pretty good. The dealer drew two cards to 21. And honestly, I thought that was a surefire win. The The play stack is down to 60. Not to 30 yet, so no big deal. Next bet's $10. I started with a 19. The dealer finished with an 18. I win. The money goes in the play stack, which is at 70. And the regressive part of always be grinding starts with a $20 bet. I stood on 19 against a 10 and lost to a dealer's natural 20. The next bet is $20. That leaves the win stack at $30. If I lose this hand, that will be a negative exit point. So here goes. I had an 11 against a dealer's 6. So that's a double, a double. Nice illustration, computer. Thank you, computer. Should have given the computer a name for this illustration. That's a great example, right? I wasn't going to make another wager if I lost the hand, but I got something I was supposed to double. I got an 11 against a 6. So that money comes out of the win stack. Certainly an exit if I lose this. Uh, I drew a 7 for a total of 18, and the dealer busted. So that's a nice win. That's a great illustration, computer. Thank you. you. You see it there, folks. You see why... The negative exit is officially three units left, but those three units are for when things like this come up, which lets me get back into things. So I rebuild the play stack and see what comes next. The play stack is at 90, so I need to make a $20 bet to add one to the win stack, so that's the next bet. Both the dealer and I had 20, so that's a push. Nothing changes, same bet. I had a hard hard 14, but drew a six for a 20 against a dealer's 10. The dealer had a six under, and busted. I win, and of course, I have a $10 profit to finish the regressive sequence. That really was a very nice illustration. The win stack is at 80, so I'm starting to think about leaving with a profit at this point. Ideally, I'd like to go all the way to $100 in the win stack, my original buy-in, but if something weird happens, I want to leave with more than I started with. 
I've won eight units. I want to leave the table with a win. At least that's how I'm feeling sitting right here right now. That said, I won more than two in a row. I was able to add to the win stack, so the next bet is $15. And $5 of that comes from the win stack, and $10 of that comes from the play stack. I have a 10, which turns into 13 with a draw, which turned into 23 with the next draw. I lost. The next bet is $10. I started with 15 and drew a 5. And the dealer busted, starting with an 8 and a 5. So now the play stack is back to 100, and the next bet is $10. I doubled 11 against a dealer's 10 and received an ace for a total of 12, the worst possible draw, and lost to an 18. The play stack is now at 80. The win stack is at 75. I'd walk at this point. A $5 profit, a profit of half a unit, isn't meaningful. But there is no reason to turn a win into a loss. Certainly, if I had just stopped by my local casino, picked up something free, you know, done this, done that, maybe played a slot machine, I'm probably just going to leave. I'm going to take the points. This was, uh, you know, this was probably at least a full shoe. And then I'll be honest and say there are some advanced techniques. There are some other things that if I was with Mrs. TRG, if I was an op on an overnight trip, I might do differently here. But for the sake of this illustration, to keep this from going too long, and I'm honestly ad-libbing while performing this now, folks. I didn't write this all down. I'm going to step away from this illustration. In a real casino, I'd step away. I'd, I'd count the chips. I'd record the results in the app. Maybe get some food or have a drink. And then get back in the game. Particularly if I was on an overnight trip. As I said, if I was at my local casino, I might very well leave at that. Or I might hit the craps table and hang out with Gabriel and Gamble for education. Not recreation. No, I'd just be gambling for education if I decided to hang out with Gabriel. I think that's a good illustration of how TRG Wagering System 2 always be grinding works. At least I hope so. It's hard to tell if that translated for you as a listener or not. If you've got feedback on that, if, if, if you've got an impression, if you want to tell me that sucked, please tell me that sucked. Please just take the time to email me and tell me it wasn't good and why it wasn't good for you, why you don't understand it, and I will try to come back to it again or write you back or whatever's necessary. I, I'd like this to be understandable. But this was a good illustration, I think. We saw the wagering system handle extended losing streaks and come back a couple times. We saw it generate tier points that TRG Wagering System 1 would not have. We saw it pull a small profit. We got an illustration at the beginning of the progressive side of things. I'm probably going to do another illustration set next week as well. As I said, there is a part two to this with some advanced concepts on how to handle tables and end of shoes and that kind of thing. And I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about that as kind of an advanced version of this. I think that's enough for today. It feels like enough for today. I feel like I've stretched as much as I want to. So we're going to we're gonna hold that there. I know it's a complicated system. I know it took a lot of time. I'm looking at the clock now going, holy, wow, that took 45 minutes. That's plenty. As I said, I know it's a complicated system. Certainly more complicated than anything else I've talked about. If you have questions, as I said, if you have feedback, feel free to send me an email. I'd be happy to answer your questions. I'd be overjoyed to hear your feedback. Let's talk about something more straightforward, something quick, something simple, something that's only going to take a few minutes to do. Let's do a travel segment, and I'll share last week's results with you. All right, this should be uh, 
Pretty quick and simple, everybody. Shouldn't take much time. I'm going to try to avoid doing um, any of my famous, infamous, or endearing uh, tangents and, and side stories here to the best of my ability. It was a pretty simple gambling week. Quite frankly, as we're going to see, it was a pretty lousy gambling week. It really, really was. The blackjack was not very good and was very frustrating. Uh, school started for Mrs. TRG. She's pretty busy. Can't take as many trips with me as she can during the summer. So I was solo this week. Early in the week, I finished with a client and stopped at the local slots-only horse track on the way home for free slot play and a comp lunch. And I won a little money on the free slot play. Uh, I stopped uh, at my local casino because always be casinoing, right? I had a free bet and a parking comp. I played two losing blackjack tables, including one where I consistently lost on 20 and pushed on 21. That's the frustrating part. I also played a winning and a losing slot machine. As I said, not exactly a great day of gambling. Later in the week, I finished up at a client halfway to my home casino, Casino 2, and uh, haven't been there in a while. Made the rest of the drive there to spend an evening in a comped room. I also received a free bet and ate a comped meal. Sadly, the trend of losing on good blackjack hands continued as I lost money at a couple tables with good hands that got beat by better hands. It was honestly looking like an early night. In fact, I was kind of headed toward the exit and saw that there were spots available at the craps table and that the craps tables were at uh, $10. And locally, they're uh, always at 25 almost all the time, except once in a while, Gabriel tells me in the morning. And at other places, at at, uh, at Casino One, they're often at 15 bucks. So at $10, I decided what the heck. Let's let's learn something at least on what's been a really kind of short, lousy trip. I drove over. Let's let's learn something. So I spent some time learning and I learned. I really did. There were a number of shooters older than me, obviously a lot more experienced, and and they put on a clinic. After my first shoot, I just passed the dice because they were all way, way, way better than me knew what they were doing. One gentleman, Lloyd the Mighty is what I've been calling him in my mind. He threw for about an hour, made five different points, which paid me over four days pay on a $5 side bet called a fire bet. And that kind of fixed both the night and the week very, very quickly, turned things right around. I actually decided after that that I'd go back and spend some time at a blackjack table and actually uh, finish that with a minor win. But honestly, it was a long session, which was mostly just getting some comp drinks and getting some points and passing the time and telling stories and, and talking to other players and hanging out. It turned into a really fun trip in that regard because I'd now fixed what was a cruddy week, what was a horrible week. I had money in my pocket. I put a little of it on the blackjack table. And, and as long as I was doing okay, as long as there was some money in the wind stack, I was just kind of hanging out and having fun and flagging the waitress when she came by. As I said, though, it was a week of losing gambling most of the time. It was saved by Floyd the Mighty's amazing run at the craps table and the fire bet. I finished the week with a profit of roughly half a day's pay. And I had a lot of fun watching really good craps players play. They showed me how to play the game well. I picked up a few pointers. And it's always good to spend time at my home casino. And that's it. That's the travel for this week. Nothing special. No uh, Miss Make Money Not Friends. No Buster Rooney. None of those things. No Middle Circle of Madness. Just a quick week of gambling, a little bit locally, and a little bit at my home casino. So, I got a story for you. I'm ready for a sip. Man, maybe two sips. I'm a little spent from, from doing the core concept segment, everybody. Let's hit the virtual VIP lounge. It's open. Let's go do that. A little bit of the bubbly.
it is most certainly five o'clock somewhere in the Casino Combat Galaxy, which means our virtual VIP lounge is most certainly open. I'm going to say this may be, in my opinion, but somebody proved me wrong, this may be the finest virtual VIP lounge currently in existence anywhere in the universe. Wait, galaxy. We're using galaxy, not universe. And I'd make a substantial wager that this is the only virtual VIP lounge with locally bottled handcrafted artisanal sparkling water. Nobody else has that. So enjoy that virtually if you would like. Whenever it's five o'clock somewhere, I have a hurricane before I go insane. That's what I'm going to enjoy today. As I said, I may also enjoy one after I finish this podcast up. Enjoy something while we share, if you can, if you're not driving, if you're not working out. Enjoy something while we, while we share another story. And this is another one, as I said at the open, where I'm trying to be amusing. I was just trying to be funny. I'd, I'd had a few adult beverages and things went a bit sideways in a variety of ways. So here's the background. I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on business and I was supposed to be there for a couple days. That was the pre-plan. That's what that what everybody thought needed to happen as I get toward the end of the day um, at a point where I'm not going to try to drive home through Pittsburgh traffic. I don't know the city well. Lots of bridges going one way. Lots of rivers. I never do it at rush hour. I'm just not into that at all. I'm supposed to be there two days. The client decides toward the end of the day that they're not going to need me the next day after all. And not happy about that. I blocked out two days. I gave you two days. But they agreed to pay me for half of the second day. And it was because their needs had changed. And they checked with the hotel and told me that the second evening of my stay, which they were paying for, couldn't be canceled at this point because it was too late. So I was welcome to use the hotel all of the following day and evening if I wanted to. I was by myself. Not what I wanted to do. I wasn't going to stick around for another entire day and night for no reason, just to be in Pittsburgh. I had family back home. But what I was going to do was head over to their casino, since I didn't need to be clear-headed and fully functional at 8 a.m., and I didn't need to be out of the hotel at 10 a.m. I had some dinner. I had some drinks. I started playing blackjack, since I could, if necessary, sleep in till noon and still be home at a reasonable hour. Things went well. And the winning gambling session extended well past midnight, which means since I only had to walk a couple blocks that the adult beverages continued well past midnight, I suspect. I don't really recall that part. So I'm playing alone by now. And at one point with a larger bet out, I get Jack of Hearts and an Ace of Hearts. And I go, excellent, excellent. Suited Blackjack pays three to two, which was just supposed to be funny because in Pennsylvania at the time, all Blackjacks paid three to two by law. There was nothing else that could happen here. The dealer, for whatever reason, and I can't explain it, looks at me and says, I'm sorry, sir. Not in this casino, sir. We don't do that here. And this is where things started going sideways because I thought she was just playing along. I just expected her to pay me. I thought she was just adding to the joke. And she didn't pay me. So I tried to continue the joke. And I said, I'm going to have to insist that you pay my suited blackjack three to two. As I said, I think this is still just an extended joke. And she sighs and says, please don't make me call the pit boss and security. And so I say, I'm not making you. If you refuse to pay me three to two on my suited blackjack, I'll call them myself. And this is where I realized it went sideways. She says, Robbie, I need you in security ASAP. We have a problem here. As I said, I realize now it's serious. But now I'm a little tipsy and now I'm a little mad. Because what was supposed to be a joke is turning into a thing, and it's kind of messing with my night. So pit boss Robbie 
and a big guy in yellow security vest comes over, and pit boss Robbie says, what seems to be the problem here, sir? And I explained that I received a suited blackjack, and that I expect to get paid three to two on it. And my dealer interjects and says, Robbie, he's confusing us with West Virginia, and he doesn't seem to understand. And she rolls her eyes like I'm some type of drunk fool, which is fine. I'm fine with that. In fact, I prefer that. I generally want casinos to think that drunk and lucky is what I am because drunk and lucky isn't a threat to, a, to the casino. I want them to think that. But her eye roll and sarcasm did not help my mood in that moment. Pit boss Robbie hears this and says, Sir, you are confusing Pennsylvania with West Virginia, which I was not, obviously. Apparently at the time, in hindsight, what I found out was at the time, some places in West Virginia offered two to one instead of three to two if you got a suited blackjack. This is where they were confused and they thought I was confused. Okay, so that's what happened. So Pit Boss Robbie says, PBR says, if you're going to insist, we're going to have to escort you out of the building. And I am not about to be escorted out for their mistake in that moment. That's my thinking. And so I stand up, which was a mistake, because now security steps up and is trying to get involved. And they're ready for trouble, which I understand, not my best decision. And I look at PBR, I look at Pit Boss Robbie, and I say, if you escort me out, we will all discuss this with the Gaming Commission, and I am sure they will see this my way. And PBR says, oh, you think you know what the Gaming Commission will do? And I said, yes, this has gone on long enough. Pay me three to two. It's right there on your felt. Seriously, all three of you, read your felt. It says, Blackjack pays three to two. She's been paying me three to two all night on all my Blackjacks. Everyone in this building has been getting paid three to two all night on Blackjack. Frankly, I don't appreciate the hassle. I'll take my payout now, I'll color up, and I'll be done for the evening. This started with me making a simple joke. Sorry none of you have a sense of humor. And now I put them in a bind because the one rule of being a casino is keep the customer happy and playing because if they play long enough, they'll use. That's how casinos see things. So of course, now it all clicked. Now the dealer feels bad and she's apologizing. Now the pit boss is realizing that this is all nothing and that she screwed up and that he's made kind of been made to look like a fool because he's been arguing with me and telling me I'm mistaking him for West Virginia and thinking I'm drunk and wrong when they're sober and completely wrong. He's trying to comp me breakfast in the morning to make up for things. He's apologizing. He's saying he can call the waitress and get me another drink. That They're not supposed to, but he'll comp my drink. He's encouraging me to stay and play because he wants his money back. And I look at the big stack of green and black chips in front of me and I say, no thanks. I got plenty of your money. I'll just use that and buy myself some breakfast at the hotel tomorrow morning. Yeah, I probably took things too far. But at the point where three employees couldn't sort out that all I was requesting was the standard play out. And with plenty of liquid courage, I decided to rub their noses in a little bit. That was years and years and years ago. Hopefully I've mellowed. I'm a little older. I'm a little wiser. Obviously, I did not remain calm and find a casino solution. I had not invented that casino wisdom yet. And honestly, being truthful, being transparent, I always try to do that. I might not be older and wiser. I might not in, in that moment again remember my casino wisdoms. You know, I'm, I'm a failed creature in that way sometimes myself. I guess we'll find out the next time another joke goes sideways. I suspect that may happen again. It hasn't happened in a while. And the good part is, you know, that if another one of my jokes goes sideways, 
We'll have some time to share it in the next virtual VIP lounge that we do after that. If you're playing the casino chip game, there are nine, neener nine, pay the field in this episode. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your hosts. If you have a host, tip your host. We should talk about that at some point. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it. Hate it. It don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening.